Hey guys, you're listening to Leaving a Legacy. This is John Herman, and you're listening to Leaving a Legacy. Hi, this is PJ Butler, and you're listening to Leaving a Legacy. This is Kyle, and you're listening to Leaving a Legacy. Hey, this is Jim. This is Leaving a Legacy. Got a mouthful of meat. Um. Oh, wait. That's not what I meant. Don't put that on there. Now we take you to the Red Room, where round one pairings have been posted. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Leaving Legacy. I am your legacy newbie, Patrick. And with me on the call today, I have two of our friends in the Legacy format. Mr. Jerry May, what's up, man? Not much. How you doing? I'm doing great, man. I'm doing great. And we also have not Adrian on the call. So we got to episode 100. <laughs> got Adrian on. He's back <laughs> off again for 101. <laughs> uh, but we do have our friend... Uh, not level, Adrian. Great yeah, intro. Not Adrian. Nice. Uh, level 2 judge uh, and excellent driver of standard cars, <laughs> Sean Calvin. What's going on, man? Not much. How's it going with you guys? It's going. It's going. Yeah. It's going real, real good. <laughs> real goodly. Real good, goodly. <laughs> uh, so, uh, so Sean, you want to tell us a little bit about yourself? Uh, sure. I, uh, so, I mean, Patrick kind of said, uh, some of the, some of the highlights magic related. Um, I got into magic when I was in middle school, which was in like 96, I think like around Mirage. And I've been playing on and off since then, mostly on since Innistrad uh, got sucked back in because of a bunch of developers that I worked with back then, um, and then got sucked into Legacy because of Ian, mostly, who I don't know if he's been on the call because I, I know he's not a, he's kind of a gun-shy person. <laughs> he was on the driving cast because he was right. literally stuck in the car driving 60 miles an hour and didn't have right, an right. option. Right, um, <laughs> But yeah, Ian Ian uh is very microphone shy. Yeah. Um but yeah, otherwise like I'm a level two judge. Um I got into rules a while ago, maybe a few years ago, just like on forums. Uh I kind of like hinted at the same same things like about legacy, which is like a lot of the nuance you're rewarded for knowing more stuff that you I feel like you don't really get with newer formats because they're not dumbed down, but like there's there's just less because you don't have to worry about 20 years of mechanics at the same time. Right. Um, and then uh, when I went to, when I drove these guys to GP Columbus, um, I tested for L2 there. Basically, if I didn't make day two, then I got to test for level two judge. And if I made day two, then great, I made day two. It was a win-win. Um, so I didn't make day two, but I did make L2. So <laughs> it's quite out. the slogan. I, uh, I got uh, my first L2 judge GP is actually uh, going to be Providence. In uh, October, nice. week after my wedding, which sounds more questionable than it is. The timing <laughs> is a little awkward. Are you, uh, you're not doing the honeymoon right after the wedding, right? You said. No, uh, my my fiance is in medical school, so right. we have to wait for her to finish classes for the year. Mm-hmm. Uh, so she's gonna basically she has like her final exam, step one, um, for that's like a bunch of tests they have to take aside from medical school, like to actually become a doctor. Mm-hmm. So that's in like early May, and then we have two weeks off where we're going to be taking a honeymoon that we haven't figured out yet because there's so much other stuff going on with the wedding that mm-hmm. since we have 
you know, seven months, we might as well wait until after the wedding. Nice. Nice. Round two pairings have been posted. Jerry. Yes. Did you get to play in Legacy this week? I played a fair amount of Legacy. I, uh, <laughs> I went to the, uh, real estate tournament. That's what it's called. Uh, down <laughs> at Newington, Connecticut. Uh, where they had, you know, expeditions and dual lands up for grabs. Uh, hoping for an awesome turnout. You know, we'll play nine rounds of Legacy, followed by Top 8, and I show up, and there is no one in the building. Jeez. <laughs> and I was like 45 minutes late, because I'm like, oh, there's probably going to be like a line to register. I better better get there on time. <laughs> and... What do you uh, mean late or early? Ah, uh, sorry, early. Did I say late? You did. <laughs> that does sound like Jerry. I can get there a little late. <laughs> make everybody wait for me. Just to make sure that I missed the first round, and, and then I XO just for the extra salt. Yeah, exactly. They call me the Kanye of magic. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so no one's there. And slowly people start trickling in as we get closer to uh, game time. Uh, Caleb came, and uh, also Blake came, so I wasn't completely alone, knew some friendly faces, but all in all, 24 people showed up for this 10k. Jeez. Um, you know, the combined value of all of uh, all the cards up for grabs, had they hit max limit, would have been 10k. But because only 24 people came up, it came out, it went down to basically a 1k. Where instead of getting a playset of duels for placing, you only got one. Uh, but I I did well. Uh, I lost my first round and then won out from there. So I ended up coming in third overall in the tournament after uh, five rounds and then a cut to top eight. Uh, which felt pretty good, though. Having a 33% chance to top eight uh, kind of <laughs> stacks things in your favor. Just, Whatever, just being man. a gambling person, <laughs> I take those lo- odds any day of the week. Especially when you're Jerry. Yes, especially when you're Jerry. That's like 66% for anyone else. Yeah. <laughs> um, but my only losses of the day were freaking death and taxes. Oh, my God. So my round one match, I lost to death and taxes. I'm like, oh, well, there's the tournament. I, I lost round one. I have to win out for the rest of the day. Well, did you say what you were on for the day? No. So I was I was playing Agro Loam, an old favorite. Uh, you mean pun- you mean punishing Abzan? <laughs> Punish punishing Abzan, as Star City Games likes to call it. <laughs> stupid, stupid name. Yeah. Uh, so the way the deck works is it's a bunch of uh, it's it's basically junk colors. Uh, you know, red, green, black, splashing red for punishing fire. Uh, and it's basically a Knight of the Reliquary deck. Uh, so your knight Jerry, is how much, fit... how much am I allowed to uh, to correct you while I'm the guest person? Uh, oh, go go for it. <laughs> J- junk is uh, is black, white, green. Yeah, black, white, green. It's red a four knight. color deck, so it's a junk base with a splash uh-huh. of red. All right, I'll just shut up now. I've also I've had a gin and tonic, so. <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah, so you're a Knight of the Reliquary deck, and you're just cranking through your lands, um, and it it plays like a mid-range fair deck, but the reason why I think it's really good in the meta right now is that 
it has a high curve. You're looking to get to three, four, and five drops with Knight of the Reliquary, uh, Titania, Green Sun Xena thing four, Knight of the Reliquary, Liliana's. Uh, so you have a pretty high curve, so you can, you don't really care about miracles that much. Because uh, counterbalance isn't really a problem, and you have enough ways to fight them uh, that it's a pretty favorable matchup. Uh, and the best part is, is you're way out of uh, Chalice of the Void range, because uh, the deck itself actually runs for Chalice of the Void. Uh, so you would just have a really good matchup against uh, Eldrazi and Miracles, and I was expecting to just run into those all day. Instead, I just ran into Death and Taxes and... Uh, you know, other fair decks. Like, there was probably only one blue deck in the entire room that day. It was just lands, uh, deck and taxes, elves, uh, there was like a miracles, and then there was like a bug delver, and then it was just like grindy mid-range shit. Oh, man. Uh, so it was a pretty miserable room if you're, if you're kind of like a delver player or anything like that, but my, my deck that kind of, it thrives in that type of meta. Like, no combo, um, not really anything that's going to kill you really quick. Uh, but I ended up losing the Death and Taxes round one, round two beating Elves, uh, round three uh, beating uh, Lands, uh, round four beating uh, Bug Delver, uh, and round five beating Miracles. Um, then in uh, top eight, I ended up playing... Uh, I forget <laughs> who I played in top eight, but uh, I ended up winning that matchup, and then in the semifinals, I lost to uh, good old Death and Taxes coming back out of the woodwork. <laughs> was it the same? Did it happen to be the same player? No, but the okay. same the player who beat me was also in top four. So if I had beaten that Death and Taxes player, I would have had to then verse my opponent from the first from the first <laughs> round in top. It would eight. have come full circle. It would have come full circle, and I probably still would have lost. <laughs> it's Death and Taxes. <laughs> but still, you ended up ended up getting third, right? So that's not a bad. Yeah, ended up getting third. Idea. Ended up walking out there with a uh, expedition misty rainforest you didn't take the trop huh no like the misty rainforest is actually more expensive really uh, yeah. it, though and i was also expecting it's like oh we're not going to see expeditions ever again <laughs> <laughs> we're probably not going to see these expeditions again, yeah <laughs> but literally it's just like i made that decision and then the very next day <laughs> well, we'll, we'll talk that about later. that later whoa whoa cast. whoa <laughs> Uh, but yeah, I basically, I thought, uh, the Expedition Misty Rainforest has greater upside. It's really? more risky than the Trop, since it can be, re- uh, reprinted, but, you know, gotta go big. Big risk, yeah. big reward. I mean, well, but I think that, you know, there's, there's a risk that they'll, at some point, they're going to reprint the regular Misty Rainforest. But I think that one of the things that Expeditions has showed is that, like, they don't affect the price of the originals. So I would think it would be kind of both ways where, Reprinting also really doesn't reprint or doesn't affect the price of the expeditions that much. Yeah, okay. it'll probably dip a little bit, but you know, it'll be like two hundred dollars versus like one hundred and eighty dollars. Now, what about you, Sean? Did you get a chance to play any Legacy this weekend? I actually, I actually did. I played. Uh, I wasn't planning to, but I ended up going to uh, to Friday F and M over in Acton, mm-hmm. um, partially because Blake was looking to try and find someone to courier. Uh, Barbarian ring over to him, but no one that was going on um, Saturday ended up showing up on Friday, anyways. Um, 
So I played a, a different version of a Lorin that I guess is actually pretty old-timey. Um, it ran Living Wish, which I can get into later. But uh, I ended up going up against Reanimator, and then Lands, and then Reanimator, and then I left. <laughs> which, when I when this version of the deck doesn't run any Force of Will or Thoughtseize in the main, I'll just the Fork of All Therapy. Ooh. Uh, so I lost to Reanimator. It was like a... I feel like against a regular Reanimator that's not like Tin Fins, that version was fine. Um, but this guy ran If the Betrays, which is actually a huge problem, as it turns out. Because like, I don't have that many... What does If the Betrays do, do again? If the Betrays is like... A, it's either costs 11 or 12 uh, generic mana. It's a, like a 10-10... Or so. Oh. Yeah, so it, it the betrays is a, it, has a, it has it has an annihilator two. Oh, yep, it's ahead. it's twelve mana for an eleven eleven creature Eldrazi and annihilator two, and then uh, whenever an opponent sacrifices non token uh, a non token permanent, put that card onto the battlefield under your control. So that so that last one the sacrifice clause like that him getting stuff was the real problem. Right. So whenever wait whenever uh whenever whenever I sacrifice a permanent yep either to the annihilator two or to fetch lands. Oh, oh yeah! Man. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I'm gonna fetch. There was one one turn where I was like, I'm gonna fetch, hold priority, eat my fetch land with Deathrite Shaman because I have to, I need that extra mana. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's good. Or you know, like, do it trigger on. I actually, I think I said, fetch, trigger on the stack, hold priority because otherwise, like you know. Anyway, yeah, it was it was it was a a huge convoluted mess. And I lost. To it that betrays in both games. Oh no! <laughs> um, then I played against uh, Onshul. I don't know if, if you guys know him. He's been he's been uh, more of a regular recently. Is he the lands player? Yeah, he's oh he's one of I mean one of the several lands players. Okay, yeah, I think I played against him the last time I was up at TE when I was on El. Yeah. The first time I took Eldrazi out. He's a. Uh, I've had a lot of fun talking to him about lands because I've also played lands. I played it before I played Lauren. Um, but I lost him in two games. And then we played like three fun games, and uh, there was one game where he had turn one merit lage and still lost. <laughs> oh jeez. <laughs> um, and then against the other reanimator person, it was a very awkward match where I still won, but I was already out of prizes, so I ended up giving him the matches anyway. Nice. Um, because I found out it's you can win, but it's very slow to win through a live uh, chal- or chancellor of the annex. So I have to pay one for every time I sorry two for every time I go through the Aluren loop. But I happened since I was playing this weird build with Living Wish, I had a maze of it in the sideboard, so he couldn't attack me. I just had to win over like five turns instead of one turn. <laughs> yeah, that's not the way you want to do it. No, but it worked. <laughs> it, it was really awkward. I just had to hope he could. He didn't like. I had to hold up any answers that I had so that he couldn't get Grizzlebrand. Because mm-hmm. as soon as Grizzlebrand came down, it was over. Jeez. But luckily, I was able to hold it off for a few turns. Nice, very nice. Anyway, right? Yeah, yeah. So I ended up getting a chance to go up to TE to play actual Paper Legacy. Believe it or not, uh, I don't get a chance to go out very often. So it was a nice treat to go up there. The turnout wasn't great. There was only like 13 people, I think, which is, seems like really small for TE. Usually, there's like you can count on over 20 people every Sunday for Legacy. So that was a bit of a bummer, but I got to see some of our friends up there, which is fun. Uh, I went up with taking Colorless Eldrazi. Um, I had a little bit of spice in my sideboard, Jerry. I took a, a page out of your your book there. Oh yes. Yeah, I was running. Uh, uh, so 
I found that lands was difficult and uh, difficult against the Eldrazi deck, and I didn't have a lot. Like you know, Chalice isn't great against them. Um, obviously, things like Warping Whale are useless. Um, so I put in two Ankh of Mishra into my sideboard, oh, <laughs> and so that's that's the two mana artifact that uh, deals a player two damage anytime they put a land into play. And uh, just so everyone's aware, that includes fetch lands. Like if, so, if you play a fetch land, you take two. You sack it, take one, put another land into play, you take another two. So, so if you want to play a fetch land, you're going to take five damage, which is pretty sweet. Um, so, uh, round one, I played against Ben, our friend Ben Symes. Um, he was on Infect for the day. Uh, I took game one pretty handily. He just couldn't get much going. Like, um, I was able to, like, use, uh, Spatial Contortion on a couple of his guys, which is, like, the one in the color list for, uh, plus three, minus three, which is a, a little bit awkward in the, in, like, the, uh, the infect matchup because you never know if they're holding like an invigorate <laughs> where like the minus three doesn't matter at that point. You just gave him basically an extra three poison um, or three infect rather. And then he ended up taking game two. Um, I just couldn't uh, actually, no, I'm sorry. He, so I beat him game one and then, Oh, you know, actually I beat him in game two as well. I think, I think I went two Oh in that, in that round. Um, just it, the game two was very, very close. Um, but uh, it was just, you know, the, Eldrazi deck can be very overwhelming if you're able to slam Chalice. Um, and then round two, I played against uh, this kid, Brian. Uh, he was actually on burn, so I haven't played that matchup with the Eldrazi deck yet at all, even online. Um, so game one, uh, he he beat me pretty handily. I got I got in like for a swing with like a Reality Smasher and a Thought Not Seer, and that was it. Um, game two, I brought in like, you know, Thorns of Amethyst and like was able to like hit it like turn one thorn, turn two thorn. And so that slowed him down a lot, but he eventually got up to five lands. Um, but he was at 13, and I was at six, and he had tapped out to, like, play... He tapped out to play a... Uh, uh, what the hell was it? The uh, Price of Progress? Or the Flame Rift, I'm sorry. He tapped out to play Flame Rift, so he had to tap four to play Flame Rift. Um, so it deals me four, deals himself four. He goes to 13, and I have, like, uh, Thought Not Seer Mimic on board. And I top deck... Ivugan, and I'm able to to play uh, Reality Smasher, and and swing for for 13 there for Xaxes. I think he probably would have beaten me if he had a, like one more turn. Um, so that was a very close game. Uh, game two, and then game three, uh, I was able to hit Chalice for one on turn one, I think, and just beat him down. And then so now I'm 2-0 going into round three, and I get paired down because um, there was at this point there was only a couple a couple two O's. Um, so I got paired down. Uh, I'm playing against uh, Brad, who was on Miracles. Uh, and then game one uh, was very close, but he ended up he, he was playing like the Mentor Miracles, and he was able to get to, to a point where he was looping top. With, you know, he had like two tops and was able to loop him with uh, with Mentor and just make a bunch of tokens. I couldn't beat that. Um, and so game two, I sided in the Ox, and uh, he Blood Mooned me. Like I I got him down to like uh, two, or or yeah, I got him down to two. And he fetches, goes to one to play Blood Moon. And he Blood Moons me, and I top deck Simeon Spirit Guide. So I hard cast Simeon Spirit Guide. And, uh, and then beat uh, swung for the win the next turn. And then game three, um, Chalice was very good in that game. I played like a turn one Chalice that he didn't have an answer to. And then like I played like a, a turn two, um, Ankh of Mishra. And just like, every time he played a land, obviously it was just, it was just crushing him. And I was able to beat him that game with, uh, with Thought Not Seer Reality Smasher. Um, so going into round four, I was 
3-0. I was the top seed on breakers, so I was able to just to 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 draw with my round four opponent and then split prizes in round five. So ended up going 3-0 on the day. Well, 3-0-1 if you count the draw. Um, felt like really enjoyed playing the Eldrazi deck. I don't think that anyone is playing that currently at that store, so like not a lot of people were prepared for it. Um, and uh, that was just a good day. It was definitely my best showing um, at TE. Actually, really just in general uh, playing Legacy. So that was nice. A little bit of like you know um, vindication or whatever you want to call it, affirmation. Um, so uh, so yeah, that was a was a productive Sunday for myself. Nice. Yeah. Uh, Winning with Simeon Spirit Guy was pretty hilarious. I'm not gonna lie. Yeah, <laughs> I love the especially the Simeon Spirit beatdown plan. Like yeah. it's, it's like it's like Magikarp using Splash. It's like yeah, yeah you'll get there eventually <laughs> if nothing else happens. Well, I mean, he he was at two and he's like, well, I'm gonna fetch for a mountain or like a I don't know. He must have fetched for a volcanic and went to one. And like I mean, Blood Moon is very good against Eldrazi. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. <laughs> but it doesn't. But I, what, if I can hard cast him in spirit guy, that's fine. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It'll get there. It'll get there. So uh, see, Pat, that's why you run Simeon Spirit Guide and not Elder Spirit Guide. We were talking about yeah, that like a, two casts ago. That's yeah, we did. That's a that's a great reason why you'd want to run it. <laughs> I guess yeah, under a Blood Moon, that's what you want to play. Yeah. Um. Yeah, maybe but, that guy was a genius, and we didn't realize it until just now. He already knew that shit. <laughs> Ankh Mishra was pretty funny to play though. Like Man, I played I, against against Mirac- the Miracles player game two, and he's like, "Wait, what is that?" And he has that, to like read the card. I'm like, "Yeah, that's like it, an old school win condition in like Pox too." Yes, yeah. I mean, it's just it's honestly like it it could be a better card, like something like All Is Dust. You know what I mean? But yeah, I don't know. Playing a two mana like deal you a ton of damage is feel pretty good. Like, yeah, and I like, feel when, like it, when it works, it's so good. Yeah, and I, I just it's just like really good against things like um even like uh Charless Bug, because 'cause they're gonna be playing a lot of fetches. Um and they don't have like the I mean I guess they have uh abrupt decays to take care of it. But certainly like Miracles doesn't have an easy way to take care of an artifact. Except for maybe like um Council's judgment, right? They only they don't they only really run one of those. And then yeah. the sideboard they have like wear tear, but they might not bring them in against you. Yep. Yeah. Certainly. Uh, like, I don't know. I'm, well, uh, wear tear. What's the the wear side is is a, it's just a red, right? To destroy yeah. an artifact. So that's not. No, so if I play Chalice, it's, red, it's red colorless, and then the, oh, it is too. And, oh, yeah, it, and it then the white side is just white. I okay. believe. Yeah. And, and so and wear is to uh, destroy an artifact, and tear is to destroy an, art, an enchantment, right? Yes. Yeah. Um. Yeah. But anyway, it was a it was a fun game. It was a fun day. So I really enjoyed the enjoy the Eldrazi deck. I'll be playing that for a little bit, I think. Round three pairings have been posted. Maybe you can get some sweet expedition <laughs> invention, whatever the hell we're calling them now. <laughs> yeah, the so, Kaladesh invention. Pimp, pimp out that Eldrazi deck. How about that for a segue, eh? I, I mean, it was that was a flawless segue, as usual, Jerry. Um, <laughs> but I don't like foils, so I'll, I'll take a hard pass on those. But there is a chance that, like, I'll open up two of my pre-release, like I did with the expedition, so. I'm pissed because I was so expecting Lotus Petal to be in Conspiracy. I'm like, they're going to print a foil Lotus Petal any day now. I'm just going to get I can't wait, and then I'm going to get it for Sneak and Show. And then, yes, they do, <laughs> but at frickin' Expedition Rarity. Oh, it's I think it's well, actually but, but, higher than Expedition Rarity, believe it or not. I, I read, it, like, I one... It's the same. Yeah, is it, I, I thought in, in, in uh, Rosewater's article, I thought it was higher than Expedition. Hold on, we're going to... Uh, it's, it's higher... 
It's higher than Mythic, and I think it's it's like slightly it's higher than the double faced Mythics were, but I think it's supposed to be about the same as the expeditions were. Okay, they're basically so, trying to emulate they're trying right. to emulate the expedition. So they won't be as uncommon than I than I expected them. They won't be as uncommon. You'll get like one no. per case. No, you get and like also one per since, case. Yeah, that's what I just and said. And also since they'll be uh you know, they're happening every set now, you maybe the like super like the best ones which out of this set I don't know what is the best one because so, there's some, but so like they're, I think overall they're going to go down compared to the expedition. Um, yeah. So like these ones, but it's not going to be as rare. I can go down the list if you guys want to. Like they 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 put out all twenty five of them. Um, so a lot of them are irrelevant. They're just creatures from the new set. Are we just but, yeah. I mean, I say, skipping those five. Yeah, like the all the gear. All <laughs> I mean, the those gear those cards are actually pretty sweet. They remind me of the Titan cycle. They and they are sweet, but I don't think they're gonna be like. I, like I mean, Primeval Titan uh, is a pretty is a legacy staple. Uh, the other four, not so much. I mean, you get Worm Coil Engine too if you count that. I you know. Mm-hmm. This type you of power know, level, even though it's expensive, some decks are willing to pay it for that sure, effect. Sure. Well, let's see the red one in maybe a big red deck. Yeah. Also, the fact that they can be blinked, that their abilities are into the ba- battlefield abilities. Yeah, uh, that does help. Relevant. And they can be like weldered. Oh yeah, they're artifacts. Oh yeah. Oh man, now I want to make a sweet welder deck with those guys. <laughs> <laughs> so they can all be weldered in. Oh damn. <laughs> or you know what they could be? You you could Aether Vial them in, which is also one of these cards that's being printed. Yeah, way to keep us on target, Pat. <laughs> so there's Aether Vial. So there's there's the Gear Hulks, the five Gear Hulks. If you want to see them, look them up. Uh, Aether Vial. Uh, we'll just go through the ones that are actually like played. Um, Chromatic Lantern is a modern card. Chromox is being reprinted. Um, Crucible of Worlds, which is actually the art is amazing on that. And uh, that's something that needs to be reprinted. I think. I'm really sad about that because I have a judge foil, but I want to upgrade. I want this one. So the, I mean, this is a that's that'll be great trade fodder then. I bet you'll be yeah. able to trade trade away the judge foil for it. Um, I'm sad that I'm trading a judge foil away for uh, an expedition. Yeah, that's true. Um, Hangerback Walker. So. <laughs> Which is the Did you see the video I posted? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That was hilarious. Uh, if you haven't seen it, go to the Facebook page and uh, someone po- made a. Uh, they took like a Spanish interview show. This clip's actually been used to parody Magic before in the past, so it's kind of a running theme. But it's like a Spanish interview show that someone dubbed under to make it sound like they're talking so about funny. Magic, and it, it is so, great. <laughs> it was so good. Um, uh, so they also reprinted Lotus Petal. Uh, which is the again the art the art in these is phenomenal. I didn't see one art that I didn't think was an upgrade. Uh, Sword of Fire and Ice. That okay, was, sure. That was um, we'll get there. Uh, <laughs> Mana Crypt. So all you uh, EDH players out there will be happy. <laughs> oh, you opened a foil Mana Crypt and mod and uh, vintage. Uh, wow, Eternal Masters. Sucks <laughs> to be you. <laughs> no longer the pimp version. <laughs> Um, also, Mana Vault, which is pretty cool, because I don't think that has a lot of printings, right? I, I don't think that's ever had a foil printing. I could be totally wrong on that, but I, I think that's true. Yeah, that's pretty good. Um, and then they've also printed, let's see, Mox Opal, uh, Painter Servant, which I was talking with Adrian about earlier today, which the art on that is pretty, pretty amazing, actually. Yeah. Painter Servant um, is, is a really good art. Yeah, it is great. Um... They also reprinted Scroll Rack, which Adrian was also very excited about. Um, Soul Ring for all you EDH players. Solemn Simulacrum, which is, gets some some play. Um, EDH. 
Yeah. The way I look at it, it's like five standard, five to ten uh, EDH cube cards, and then five mm-hmm. to ten money cards that need to yeah. be printed. So, sort of Feast and Famine, sort of Fire and Ice, uh, sort of Light and Shadow. The Feast and Famine art is gorgeous. That is really cool. It's, it's like the... the uh... Like the green gro- the overgrowth on the hand on the hilt. Yeah, the and hilt the, is like a blade lush, is rotted like, away. Yeah, it's pretty vines, amazing. And then the blade is yeah, just like such a cool concept. Yeah, the, uh, honestly, they I think the swords are pretty gorgeous. Like I think they did a pretty good dra- job on all the arts. I, I mean, I, nice, think, right? I think like, the art looks good as art on Sword of Fire and Ice, but it looks like the most inconvenient sword to ever hold. Oh yeah, there's no way you're like. Does what do you do? Like put your arm into that? You from Starcraft. Uh, I was never into Starcraft. Alright, never, never mind that. Is that a game? Is that <laughs> Nerd! <laughs> um, so anyway, so the, uh, what do they call them? The masterpieces will be part of every set. I think it's 25 for the large sets and 15 for the small. Is that correct? They said it, it's 30 for this set and 24 for Age oh, Revolt. Way off. And then, All right. but, but like, they said it'll, it'll flex depending on how they, probably like however many things they can sure, yeah. fit to the theme. So, all right, let's just do a uh, rapid-fire answer here. I'm going to just hear what you guys say. Do you think this – I mean, so they obviously tested it out with the Expeditions, right? Mm-hmm. And so I think this shows – this may be like um, uh, a bit of speculation, but I think this shows the actual cycle it takes for them to make a decision on a print run and to have it actually happen in – in like in real time, so like, I, yeah, I guarantee you, they're like, "Oh my god, Battle for Zendikar is flying off the shelves." Yeah, so Do BFC. This. Yeah, well, I'm, I'm assuming the expeditions were like a test for this, right? Because if if they were thinking about doing this all along, they probably yeah. would have started with the expeditions as masterpieces. But the expeditions yeah. are all this special yeah. thing. You know, this is a one-time thing, and they see that it works, right? And I so I'm assuming they probably need like what you think, twelve months of lead time to get the set printed. I think yeah. so, because I mean, they also didn't do it for Shadows. And, right, yeah, Shadows, yeah. So they, there was a whole year where there was nothing with, uh, was you know. Was there a whole with, year, though? Yeah. I thought that was half a year, because it was in Shadows over Innistrad. Well, but, like, so you had you had Zendikar that got released in the fall of last year, right? Yeah, it had Expeditions. Right, and then you, so you have, now it's the, we're coming into the fall again. So you had, like, a full year before they, you know, like. Oh, I see, yeah, I'm thinking they had to see if it worked. So it's I mean, like it's, it was six probably months more like six months. Six months, yeah. yeah, because they have to also, you know, print them and sure typeface them, and they and, did. Yeah, that's what I'm they saying. Different, they have a different typeface. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. They have like it's probably like a six month window where, like, you know, like people always say, like, oh, you know, such and such happened. Why didn't you put this in the newest set when they had like two months notice? And obviously, I think that's impossible for them to, to do a turnaround on. But I think they probably need about like six to nine months to get something done like this done. If they want to have it in a standard set for these, they like they also don't have to balance them. Right. They're not they're not considering them for for limited mm-hmm. or for standard. They're just they show up super rare. Mm-hmm. So all they had to do was decide, you know, we're gonna do this. They have to design the border because this has a different border than the expeditions and then regular magic. Yeah, they almost look like they like employed proxy guy to do the borders. They look that nice. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, but otherwise, they they only have to figure out which ones they want the most, not right. how they'll actually play out. Yeah, exactly. Um, so that they look they look great. Um, my other question is, do you think that this is the slippery, slippery slope we're all hoping for to where they start printing reserveless cards? Because it's been pretty much proven that these don't affect the prices of cards that are in Modern or Legacy when they reprint these. So do you think there's a chance they will maybe do a one-off of some kind of uh, dual land? I hope, but I doubt it. I also doubt it. I I think that this... I was I was talking to some other people earlier, right? 
my concern is that they're going to use this as an excuse to do less standard reprints, which they also kind of hinted at, or they're in the, uh, Mark Rosewater's article. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, which actually, honestly, I think is fine because two supplemental sets this summer was too many. Yeah, uh, it did feel like a lot. It did feel like there was a lot of. Stuff. Um, but I'm, you know, I'm worried they're going to scale it back too much. But I do think that they, if they have like you know one supplemental set and these, it's a good happy medium. It also makes people that you know might mostly play older formats, but kind of want to play standard except for the cost, be able to play standard because they enjoy it. But they, you know, so like, so like this I, is... I might I might play it occasionally, but I I can't buy in because I would maybe only play it once a month. But if if all of these things are depressing the costs across the board, mm-hmm. and I only have to pay a little bit to get into that format instead of you know several hundred dollars, it it makes it worth it. So you're saying that these expeditions are gonna. So basically, what happens is when you open a, a box of Magic, a box of any standard set. It, like the the cards in there are gonna e- roughly equal hundred dollars, right? So like you see some sets where there's a lot more value in the in the mythics than there are in the in the rares. Um, it, for instance, for Zendikar, a lot of value was held in the expeditions and not so much in the rares in that set. The rares are actually fairly inexpensive. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so you're saying that you know with all these expeditions or masterpieces that are in these sets, it's gonna depress the price of standard and probably also just because. There will be like places like SCG and all the big retailers opening up even more cases of these. You expect, and that will also help depress the price for the cards. I, mean, I, I hope so. I think all and this I'm... is short term, though. Like I, I, yeah. I agree with you. Like that's the effect, you know, from an economic now. standpoint, how it's going to happen. But eventually, they're just going to lose their luster. You know, people sure. are going to be cracking mad cases to get expeditions because, well, there's probably something better in the next set coming along. Oh, I, yeah. This is what I'm afraid of. Is I feel it's just like I feel magic's creeping more and more towards Yu-Gi-Oh. Like yeah, now they well, basically just created a rarity rare the mythic. It's like yes, there won't be any new cards in there, but as for you know a legacy player, we don't care about that. You're basically yeah. just making you know one step higher. And just how when they introduced mythic rare, it pushed rares into basically uncommon territory. Now yeah. mythics are going to basically be in rare territory and. Rares are going to go to common, and commons are going to be the fucking pennies of magic, where they're not worth <laughs> the copper they're printed on. But as far as standard on. is concerned, which is their their main cash cow, you know, or not their main cash cow, their main cash cow is buying packs. Mm-hmm. But like standard people are going to buy it more because of this. And I think with the with the new, you know, how they're announcing things blocks ahead instead of every set that might be part of it is they wanted to set the expectation where now, you know, they can say. This is the setting of the new year, so we can kind of get a sense of what type of thing we should expect out of the masterpieces based on mm-hmm. the, the flavor. Where, you know, next time we're going to Amonkhet, next time after that we're going to go, I don't know, maybe to back to Lorwyn, I'm making that up. But, you know, we're going back to Lorwyn, so there definitely aren't going to be artifacts there because it's a Celtic fairy tale setting. So that's going to help prop up the, the value of other artifacts for the next year and a half. Mm-hmm. Where if they are announcing full blocks instead of individual sets and are doing it more actively with a little more information on the front end, they can kind of mitigate some of the risks with making the expeditions or the masterpieces as common as they are now as opposed to the one-time thing we were expecting back in Battle for Zendikar. Yeah, it'll certainly have an interesting effect on standard. Hopefully it it makes it cheaper. It is obviously a cash grab. There's no, no denying that. Um, but they're a business. That's what they're supposed to be doing. So yeah, I mean, hopefully yeah, they're able to. Their bottom line. 
Yeah, and hopefully they just do it, uh, you know, reasonably well. Um, if they ever did something like a dual land, like if they're having a rough quarter, if they ever do something like a dual land, I guarantee those packs will sell better than anything they've ever printed in standard. I would think so. Um, we'll yeah, see. It becomes like a one-upmanship thing, though. Yeah. Like, yeah, but that's that's like the mythic rare of any set. Like you always expect the mythics to be amazing, and sometimes there's mythics that are actually hot garbage, and that's that's just the way that it is. So I think you'll see some. There, there are no mythics that are hot garbage. Days and doing is a mythic. That's hot garbage. Not not descent. Not I. I was hoping you were going to say descent into madness, which is my favorite hot garbage. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, there are there are certainly. I mean, I know I know you're being facetious, but there are certainly mythics that are just bad. I mean, I'm being facetious in that I agree, but yeah, <laughs> descent into madness is a terrible card. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. My descent into madness deck is going to take me to the. I mean, the, are you playing a uh, descent into <laughs> madness uh, food chain? Yeah. Oh, spice. <laughs> exile X card, sweet. I'm gonna exile all of my Miss Hollow Griffins. Good yes, team. I mean to be but first fair, I had to, get seven mana. to be fair, Descent into uh, Madness makes up for its you know real shitty playability with sweet art. It's true and flavor. Yeah, it's good flavor. So which is what Mythics are supposed to be? Yeah, they should be splashy. They should be interesting in the in the standard set. You know, maybe maybe like a build around me card. But uh, yeah, just. Generally, like, Mythics can be... I mean, they're, they're very hit or miss, so I think you'll see that the Masterpieces will be... can be very hit or miss. Um, I think that'll... If they keep doing this going forward, that's going to be what happens. Round four pairings have been posted. Kind of segueing into what we brought you on here today for, Sean. We are going to be talking about a deck that... We mentioned it a few episodes ago, right, Jerry? That, isn't that what happened? Yeah. Yeah, uh, talk about... I think on episode 100. Was it? Uh, it was. Not, it must have been 99. 99. It was 99. Sure, but we did mention the deck Alluren. Um and uh, you know we brought Sean on because Sean has is a known Alluren player in the area. Uh, he's known to tinker with the deck. Um, so uh, I figure we can do a little quick deck tech on it. So do you want to go down the list and tell us a little bit about about the cards there? Sure. So um, wait, should I start with the cards or with the concept? Uh, why don't you, yeah, why don't you go big to small? So start with the concept, the concept of the deck. That's great. Sure. So that also lets me talk about, like, the differences afterwards. Yeah. Um, so the concept of the deck, the main goal of the deck is basically you're playing Aloran. Uh, it's a card from, from Tempest, which is a set that everyone loves. Um, <laughs> <laughs> literally everyone. Everyone loves it. Um, which, according to the Tempest Remastered Edition that I have untapped out, says <laughs> any player may play creature cards with converted mana cost three or less without paying their mana cost as though they have flash. So basically, you pay this, it costs two colorless and two green. So, you know, you're paying this four mana enchantment, and then, because, you know, presumably or hopefully you've built your deck around a lot of three mana or less creatures, you get a bunch of free value out of the deck. Um, the goal of the deck, basically, is to get to four mana. You play the namesake enchantment. Um, hopefully you don't get blown out by your opponent, which sometimes happens if they're playing a weird deck, or such as Imperial Painter. Um, that hasn't happened in the past month to me. Multiple times. Um, <laughs> so basically, you, uh, you all players get to play creatures with converted mana cost three or less for free. Um, you've obviously built your deck around this. 
the, the main combo is you play Imperial, Imperial recruiters, although with the new conspiracy set, there's a new build that, uh, plays the recruiter of the guard instead. Um, they have different directions, which I can maybe talk about later, although I don't have any experience with the white version yet. Um, so you play your recruiters, you get a bounce piece, which depending on the build, if it's red, or, if it's red, you play Dreamstalker. If it's bl- white, you play Arctic Merfolk. Um, or either one can play Manivore, but I'll get into why that's worse. If so you play, you loop, basically, you loop a bunch of free recruiters into a bounce creature. You replay your recruiter. You get a second bounce creature. You replay the recruiter again. And then you get the combo deck, the combo pieces, which are, uh, Cavern Harpy and, uh, Parasitic Strix, which you pay a life, then in return you gain two life and your opponent loses two life. So you're basically, for every loop, which is free because of Aluren, you're gaining a life, your opponent is losing two life, and unless they have very timely instant speed removal very early, or at a very awkward stage in the game, um, you just win on the spot. Nice. Do you miss the part where you win with Brain Freeze, the superior win condition? <laughs> oh yeah, you mean you mean the the one that Saffron Olive showed where <laughs> it was act- I think it was actually tendrils or grape shot. I don't think brain food is in the deck. Uh, so you, have to watch out for the, you have to watch out for a sneak and show where they have Emrakul. So you play grape shot or tendrils instead. Yes. Yes. <laughs> I played Aluren back in the day before uh, before ah, Eldrazi there. were ever printed. So there weren't these like massive when it goes into your graveyard, reshuffle your graveyard into your library effects. So you got to win with Brain Freeze, which was a hell of a lot more fun. Just <laughs> I mean, mill them this, out. This deck is pretty fun. Yeah. I saw Rich Shea was playing the white version sitting next to me at uh, that's, uh, Gaming Etc. the other day. Wait, wh- when was this? Uh, this was last Friday. Oh, man, I should have gone last Friday instead of this one. Yeah. Because uh, he's, he's... I lost to him in the... Uh, the Wormwood Open, specifically because he was the only person that I played against who actually knew what I was doing. Because <laughs> <laughs> he's played against, he, he knows people that play Aluren, and also he's just a generally very good Magic player in jet, like overall. So that was, those are both problems. Yeah, um, <laughs> for your chances of but winning. He, for my chances of winning, but it was in the finals. Um, you know, Caleb had scooped me because he didn't want to. We'd already split the the cash value, um, but in the finals. He's like, oh, I actually know what you're doing. And the only reason that I free-rolled the Swiss was because my round one through three opponents were trying to just jam their own thing. I think I was playing like against Tezzeret, Affinity, um, Death and Taxes, and Shardless Bug. They just kind of ignored what I was doing until suddenly I won. <laughs> <laughs> and then we got to double draw because it was just Caleb, Rich, um, one other player, and myself that were 3-0. Um, but Rich, Rich is a very accomplished player. Yes. I'm just surprised that he was on Lauren because because <laughs> he's supposed to be good. <laughs> no, well, that and also just I feel like he plays a lot of. As far as I know, he plays a lot of other decks that are not Lauren. And I talked to him on uh, on Friday, and he didn't bring it up. Hmm. Maybe he's trying to keep keep his build secret. Super secret. Yeah. Uh, I'm pretty sure his build was actually just he replaced Imperial Recruiter with the White Recruiter. So I'm gonna get. I, yeah, I think you want to actually... get into that, Sean? You want to talk about kind of the differences? I, was, I would love to get into that. So do, do you want to go through the build first? 
Sure. Yeah. Uh, my build. So should I just list them card by card, or? Yeah. I don't. Sure. So, uh, so the build that I do, which is um, a little different than uh, I'd say the stock build that's been on Wizards of the Coast, and uh, that uh, Martin Goldman cursed to feel like is the premier um, Aluren player plays. So the creature base, it's for this version, it's two Baleful Strix instead of the full four, uh, one Cavern Harpy, uh, three Coiling Oracle, which is kind of the Baleful Strix uh, replacement. It ramps you better, but it doesn't block nearly as well. Four Death Rites, two Dreamstalker, um, one Edric Spy Master of Trest, the uh, Commander All-Star, uh, one Eternal Witness, four Imperial, Imperial Recruiters, one Parasitic Strix, and two Shardless Agents for your 21 creatures. Um, your other permanents are just the four Alurans. And then as far as spells, you have three Abrupt Decay, four Brainstorm, Four Cabal Therapy and then three Force of Will. That's the, actually the main difference, aside from the Baleful Strix from uh, Martin's list, is he runs Thought Seizes. Um, I feel like it's it's safer against Combo to run Force of Will over um, the Thought Seizes, which are a little more proactive than I necessarily want to be. Yeah, uh, I, the land base. Oh, go ahead. I would just say, yeah, I, I agree with that. I always would rather have counter magic than discard against uh, against combo decks. Um, it's less information, but I just feel more in control with it. Yeah. But uh, go on. Uh, so then the land base, um, the list that I sent you is actually slightly unoptimized, um, which says one Bayou, one Bloodstained Mire. Um, the Bloodstained Mire... And the wooded foothills were uh, budget terry restrictions on my part. Mm-hmm. I thought I actually only owned one Verdant Catacombs, but I found a second one recently that's been socked away somewhere. <laughs> Don't you um, love it so, when you just find fetch lands uh, just hidden away? Also, <laughs> uh, well, so I thought I had I thought I had pulled all of the fetches and other things out of my cube mm-hmm. for my legacy decks, but apparently that was not true of Verdant Catacombs. Um, so those should all three be Verdant Catacombs. I think there's an argument maybe for the Wooded Foothills, but definitely not the Bloodstained Mire. Um, you want to be running four basics, two forests, one island, one swamp. Basically, that lets you... The double green lets you play the Aluren even through Wastelands, and then the black and the blue let you flex the rest of your spells. Um, the rest of the, the Fetchlands, blue and green, are the most important. So it runs the full playset of Misty Rainforest runs three deltas, and then um, yes, two catacombs, and then one of whatever you can do, as long as it has to fetch green is the most important thing, is what I would say. Uh, and then this, the the dual lands, I run one taiga, two tropical island, two underground sea, and a volcanic island. Um, this gives you two lands you can fetch that can actually hard cast your recruiters, which are maybe not, doesn't seem like the strongest play, but since the rest of your deck is other creatures, the main thing you want to be getting in game one is Edric. Um, basically, he left all your small creatures just swarm. You draw a bunch of cards, and then by that point, hopefully you draw a recruiter and an Aluren. If not, you might have one Dreamstalker that can block. And Dreamstalker is actually super relevant. That's why I like the red version over the white version. Five toughness is huge in Legacy. Yeah, we were just kind of going over that uh, when we were talking about Chandra the other day, about just how, you know, four 
four toughness, four damage is usually enough to uh, stop almost anything in Legacy. So having having a five butt sets you in a pretty nice uh, position. It really does it. Like even even Tarmogoyfs. So it's I will say it's really bad against Turbo like Turbo Bug Delver because mm-hmm. Gourmet Anglers have five power naturally. Yep. Which is like like I found that out a couple weeks ago. It's actually really bad. It's it's a terrible feeling. You can't decay them, which is your main removal in this deck. You can't block them because Doomstalker just dies. But aside from aside from uh, Gurmag Angler, everything that does now flying, you can block. I'd say eighty to ninety percent of Tarmogoyfs. Yeah, the definitely kind of a downgrade the white version has. Uh yeah, it's true. Um, I think the white version has its own its own merits. But I don't think that swapping, like, just taking the recruiters, swapping them out, and calling it a day, I mean, end up Merfolk, Arctic Merfolk instead of, uh, <laughs> instead of Dreamstalker, because you can't fetch the Dreamstalker with the new one. I don't think that's necessarily putting your best foot forward. I actually do have another list, but basically it's trying to leverage the advantages of the white recruiter, mm-hmm. where I feel like if you're, if you're playing the white recruiter, you know, you, you have the loss with the, um, Arctic Merfolk over the Dreamstalker. But the advantage you do gain is that White's, um, I guess like fair game and mid-range game is a lot better than Red's. Unless you're like, Red, or Red is more, more all-in. You know, like all-in Red is a great deck, but I don't feel like three or four color all-in Red is a good deck. Okay. <laughs> whereas, <laughs> where, whereas like White, its pieces don't necessarily care as much about playing other colors because you're not leaning so heavily on Blood Moon or Magus of the Moon to really make the deck punishing to other decks in the format. I play a Magus of the Moon in the sideboard and it's great when I build around it because I know that you know I can I can plan for it. But Magus of the Moon would obviously be better and in more than a singleton if it was not a four color deck. Um, mm-hmm. I feel like with white, you know you. You maybe build a Stoneforge package. I think that's a really good argument for playing white. You uh, you can start playing True Name Nemesis because you're playing you play red toughness instead of power. Um, and you open as when I was complaining about Recruiter of the Guard in uh, the Leaving Legacy Facebook page. I think you and multiple other people pointed out white has a lot of sideboard hate that even non-creature options are good for like. Uh, rest in peace, right. or stony silence. If for some reason you're worried about artifacts, but yeah, I think I think white has a lot of advantages. I think I just think that the deck has to be built differently to leverage what white offers. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Oh, so I I never went through my sideboard, which is somewhat meta dependent. But I I feel like one of the exciting things about Lauren is you're playing the four recruiters, so you can just kind of have a deck that's a lot of uh, a lot of fun sideboard cards that other decks don't get to play. So, my most recent sideboard, unless unless you want to not talk about this. Uh, no, we can go down real yeah. quick. That's fine. Sure. So, uh, so the two kind of like gimmies are the extra Abrupt Decay and the extra Force of Will. Uh, different matchups. You want, you might want four of one or four of the other. And the rest of them, uh, Bloodbraid Elf, mostly for miracles, because, um, A, it has haste. It's really great against Jace the Mind Sculptor. Um, as Rich Jay actually pointed out in, in our final stack, uh, match, he had a Jace in his hand when I played the, when I played the Bloodbraid Elf, 
and he suddenly was like, oh, I have to have a different plan. Um, also, Blood Bear Delphin to charge less into somebody else's super value, but that's separate. Uh, Fairy Macabre is great for uh, lands, dredge, any graveyard matchup. If you're playing it against uh, Reanimator and they play Exume and you get a free Wind Drake and they get nothing, it's great. Yeah. Um, Fire Imp is uh, partially for miracles, partially just for value decks. Um, plays an is it Staticaster also for miracles because of Mentor. <laughs> a lot of this is actually miracles, hey. Um, <laughs> as is I feel like it's a lot of decks. Uh, Magus of the Moon is because our uh, meta has a lot of lands, um, and also it's great against twelve posts, which I found when I was playing against Kate a few weeks ago, where I just casually sided it in. Um, but that was, that was lucky. Uh, Minister of Pain, True Name Nemesis is a thing. This deck doesn't have very many good answers to it. Um, Orzhov Pontiff, Pontiff was an old version, but since we're not playing white, um, that's a, a no-go. Nullrod, Artifacts, Miracles, other everything. Pernicious Deed is a catch-all. Reclamation Sage, also kind of a catch-all. Scavenging Ooge for Dredge and Lands. Um, Sabo's Web, for uh, lands mostly, it locks down port. It also helps against the death and taxes. If someone taps a wasteland for mana, they don't untap, and it replaces itself. And it's great for cascading into, which is also true with Nolod. Yixla Jailer I added for, again, lands and dredge. And then Thunderscape Battle Mage, which is my favorite card on my sideboard, but it's a huge mess of text. 2-2 two, two, for 3, which you can play for free because it's a Lurin. Um, and then it has two kicker costs. One is, uh, discard two cards, which you can use if your Miracles player is trying to Terminus you, and they have low hand count. And the other one destroys their counterbalance. In, I think it was the final game, in the finals with, with Rich, I had a handful of cards. I decayed his, he clicked me, I decayed his click because I didn't want him to take the decay. And then I had six cards in my hand and he, he took that, which was kind of a vindication because I was testing it. Yeah. But it has a lot of text. It does a lot of stuff. And when you can get good, nope. good value out of it, it's surprisingly good. But in most other decks, it's hot garbage. I was saying that uh, the person who, tr- who turned me onto the deck said that one of the exciting things about Lorin is that it's basically the deck where you can... Um, it lets you review all the limited deck chaff that you've played with <laughs> over the past 20 years to figure out what you actually want to play. <laughs> That's always a nice a nice bonus there. Uh, does it, like, you know, go ahead. Oh, I was just going to ask you, does, does the deck port into anything else? I mean, the land package is all very relevant, right? You're playing, like, duels and fetches, but um, as far as the creature package, like, what else does this deck port into? I mean, you have, like, Abrupt Decays, and oh. you have some of your duels that, that are all, you know, that are universal in, in Legacy. Um, are there any decks that are kind of around that you could play... Like, uh, you know, like, like I, you, you can build Grixis Delver and also kind of have Blue Red Delver as a deck. Um, so if you have a Learn, a Learn built as a deck, are there any other things that it kind of, you can like get into as a, as a second deck? Um, I would say the closest thing is, is, well, so one of the tough things, at least with the Red build, um, is that recruiters are a huge sink that don't really share much, mm-hmm. except for Painter. Um, <laughs> you can play Painter. a Lauren and Painter Servant. Those are your choices. <laughs> well, the other problem is that if you have a Lauren but don't have Painter built, you also don't have a playset of uh, City of Traders, mm-hmm. which is a huge... So I'd say a Lauren is it's very niche, which is part of the problem. I think that's actually one of the biggest 
boons that the white build has is, you know, even if it has to build, be a different build because, I mean, at least my own, in my own opinion, it does, um, which other people are happy to, are fine to disagree with, um, it opens up a lot of the costs where the land base is most of the, of the value at that point, um, but I would say that most of the deck is actually pretty specific, which mm-hmm. is part of the problem. You have your shardless agents; those are fine. Um, in this case, it plays two. You can, you know, leverage those towards uh, shardless bug. Um, the combo pieces are pretty cheap. Mm-hmm. Um, no one really wants cavern harpy or, or <laughs> parasitic tricks unless they're playing Lauren, So Those are maybe if you're getting a foil version, they're a dollar. Yeah. Oh um, uh, yeah, I ordered some foil parasitic strixes offline the other day. <laughs> the sideboard is is meta specific. The force of wills are, you know, leverageable towards every everything. Same with thoughtsies, depending on which version you're building. Cabal therapy is gonna be a little more um, specific, but there's still other decks like Dredge or um, Grixis Delver want to run those. Um, Death rites are plenty of decks run those. I would say really like the main the main gate has been removed with the Red Recruiter where. Yep. I still think it's a slightly better version, but, you know, that's now at this point, what, like a thousand dollar difference if mm-hmm. you're paying them at market yeah. value. Crazy, um, crazy. Everything else is, is pretty applicable except for stuff that costs, you know, five dollars or less per copy. Yeah. So let's say I'm going to take this out to uh, a known meta. Um, what decks am I hoping to play against that I think, that you'll think this deck would, would kind of have a favorable, favorable matchup? Uh, so I think this deck's best matchups are against uh, mid-range decks. Um, and if you're playing this version, the combo decks, except for Storm, are, are okay. Storm is kind of a mess because Force of Will doesn't do as much against them. Mm-hmm. Um, and actually, I, I actually like playing against Miracles. Um, I'd say that definitely the decks you don't want to face are things that are too fast. Um, so... I haven't played against Eldrazi with it yet, um, so I, don't, I can't speak to that one. But the biggest problems for me are Infect and Delver. Mm-hmm. Uh, Infect is just really fast, and Delver has a lot of conditional counter spells that really get in the way of the fact that you're trying to play a four mana spell in Legacy without getting wastelanded, um, and then playing a bunch of free spells afterwards on the same turn. Yep. Uh, so they can like let Aluren resolve, then daze your first recruiter, and then they play a bunch of creatures for free. Mm-hmm. Uh, how how hard do you think the deck is to pilot? Like once you get the interactions between your creatures down, uh, I think it's I think like the first level is pretty easy. You know the the base the base uh, line of play Aluren, cast Recruiter, get Recruiter, get Recruiter, get Recruiter, um, get Dreamstalker, get or bounce Recruiter. The the main the first thing is uh is pretty easy. I think that um what I've been noticing with a lot of the talks with the uh, the white recruiter is that you really need two bounce creatures, uh, not or two copies of it, because you know sometimes you draw one and you want to cast it because mm-hmm. you need a creature, uh, and you really have to be able to rely on the second copy. Um, I would say that a lot of the the maybe learning curve is about respecting how much of the combo you actually need in the deck more than learning the combo itself, mm-hmm. uh, because it's really tempting to cut. To like slim on things that seem superfluous or um, at least not as exciting as the kill condition. 
Um, and then you get punished by sword splashers. Right. Um, but I, I think that the main, the main combo itself is, is pretty easy to learn. It's really also about learning um, when your opponent can interact with it. Uh, the most, I would say the most um, vulnerable position you have is when Cavern Harpy is trapped on the stack. Yeah. Because if they can do anything then, you know, if they're trying to do anything at any other point, like they're trying to decay anything on your board, just bounce Cavern Harpy and play it again with Flash, and then you bounce whatever it's trying to do, trying to kill. Um, uh, Crows and Grip is obviously a separate situation because you can't interact with it because it has split second. Um, but otherwise, a lot of people don't realize that that's the case where the stack is the problem, so you cast the, the Cavern Harpy. You bounce it, then they decay, and then you flash it in, or they try and do it while it's on the battlefield. Um, yeah, so as but, long as you're aware of, of the different zones and your vulnerabilities with it, and you try and leverage that your opponents probably aren't because that's not a usual part of the game of Magic, I think you're well, you're better off. Yeah, I agree. I think Aluren kind of has the same uh, situations that Dredge has sometimes, where it'll just win a game because your opponent doesn't know what you're doing. And they just have yeah, like no I... idea how to... They could have a way to stop you cold in your tracks, and they just don't see how to use it. No, I won a game on Tuesday um, against Reanimator where they had an, an abrupt decay in their hand, and they just didn't know when to use it, so I won. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. It's it just it doesn't see a lot of play, so people don't don't expect it. They don't test against it. They you know some people have never even seen it before. Yeah, I've definitely never played against it in paper. I think I've seen it once online where it beat me. Um, I think I was on Corixis. I can't remember, but I don't. I haven't seen it very often myself, for sure. It's it's really a very uncommon deck, but I think it's it's a lot of fun. Uh, I wish. Well, I. I both do and don't wish there was more of it because I feel like a lot of the times that I do well is because people have no idea what they're doing <laughs> against me. Um, but, I mean, you know, I want the Legacy format to do well overall, and I think that it's a really fun deck. You know, nice. I, I don't want it to be obscure to nice. uh, an unreasonable degree. Yeah, yeah. And was there anything else you wanted to add on um, about the deck, like either someone who's a new player or someone who's thinking about trying the deck out? So, I mean, I as, as a new player, I... I think, you know, you... I really wouldn't start it as your first legacy deck if you're like, yeah, you know, Aluren is why I want to get into it. Um, it's got... You know, I, I would try and go into, like, you know, Bug Delver or, or Shardless or something where you can really, you know, leverage the value of the deck, or most mm -hmm. of the value of the deck, but still learn the format um, and then kind of go from there. Um, I, I think it's a very specific deck to be a starter player on. Um... And I feel like a lot of the value you get out of it is not only no, not only assuming that your opponents don't know, but it also plays both brainstorm and cabal therapy, which I feel like are pretty time in, or intensive decks where you know what's going on in the rest of the meta. Um, yeah, cabal therapy is a real hard card for someone who does not know legacy at mm -hmm. all. Yeah, <laughs> oh yeah. And I, and I feel like I lean on cabal therapy, ripping out my opponents plans for the first couple turns to really get me a lot of the way to um, to the combo. Yeah. Um, so I, I would I would recommend just starting with something else and then if you know you really want to do this, get yourself familiar with with not necessarily within your meta specifically, because 
if you're traveling a lot or have a large group of people that are playing with you, you can't really count for everything. But I would say this, like, this is the, the fourth deck that I played, and I'm happy that it's the fourth deck that I played because I've gotten a lot of experience with the format overall, and um, it's helped me be a lot better. If I was the first, if this is the first deck I played, I feel like I would have just been unhappy with the deck and my knowledge of the deck in the context of the format and just like, Tournament standings have been posted. Uh, all right, so do you guys want to move into uh, scoops? Yeah, <laughs> enthusiastic. Uh, sure, right, Sean. Since you're the guest, uh, we'll let you go first. Who, who do you want to scoop in the top eight tonight? Sure. So I want to I want to scoop Ben Gomez in. I think I mentioned this last week. Um, so he's the person that uh, he stuck me into into Ruglands a while ago. Uh, but he, he's the person, he lives out in, uh, in the Bay Area in Northern California and has been trying to sell me on recruiters and Aloran for a very long time. <laughs> um, and the only reason I didn't play the deck was because I couldn't get a play set of recruiters and then stumbled into a really great deal. Um, so, and he's, he's been a lot of, like, this, this build is, um, primarily on the back of my talking with him, his previous experience with, uh, Getting the deck to where he feels it's more advantageous with you know the, the force instead of the thought pieces, and I would say that at least ninety percent of this deck that wasn't built before him was uh, was built by him. How about you, Jerry? Uh, I'm gonna scoop Sean in. Thanks for coming on, man. We've been uh, planning this for <laughs> like a month now, <laughs> so appreciate your while. patience. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, also, I'm going to scoop in Chris Cheehy because his feelings were hurt because I didn't, we didn't scoop him in on the last episode. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Chris. <laughs> uh, what about you, Pat? Uh, yeah, I'm going to scoop Sean in again. Uh, thanks very much for coming on, man. It was great to, to have you on the call and, uh, talk a little learn with you. I feel like we've only scratched the surface of the deck. There's a lot more to get into, but we just don't have, uh, the time tonight. Yeah. Uh, maybe we can have you back for another in-depth look at the deck. Um, yeah. Yeah, man. Um, and also, uh, and or also a, a judge related. Yeah, judge questions. Oh yeah, 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 for sure. Uh, yeah, we could always have an ask ask the judge episode. <laughs> yeah, we haven't had yeah. one of those in a while. Yeah, that would be that would be sweet. Um, and I'm also to scoop in Papa Adrian uh, for editing the cast last week and uh, putting <laughs> a special spin on the intro and the. Uh, the the song that was not uh it was not uh, uh Mumford and Sons as the outro was something significantly more aggressive. I di- I didn't get there yet since it was like a three hour episode. I, so uh, I haven't made it to the that's end. That's what I said in uh in the Facebook group. I was like three hours. I think I got through maybe an hour. And yeah. half of it. It was too long. I got through it all today, thankfully. Um, but uh, it was a good one. It was a very chilled out, relaxed episode. It was a lot of fun to get a lot of our friends on the uh, on the call, so that was cool. Yeah. Uh, so I'll scoop in Papa Adrian, and uh, I'm gonna scoop in uh, Nate and the uh, That's Entertainment crew. Um, it was fun to go up there and see everyone. Nate saw me signing up for uh, Legacy. He was like, "Oh, you're here. <laughs> I haven't seen you all summer." But yeah, well, that's happens when you have kids. These time constraints, you know. Yep. Um, but I want to scoop those guys in too, and that's all I got for tonight, guys. Top 8 pairings have been posted.
Uh, Sean, if anyone wants to talk to you about the Learn Deck or maybe have a, like a judge question, uh, do you have a Twitter or can they find you on Facebook? Yeah, so so I actually I have a Twitter, but I very rarely check it. Uh, so I would recommend uh, Facebook, which is Sean Calvo uh, or slash SR Calvo as my Facebook um, the extension. Uh, I'm also active on MTG Salvation as uh, C-Y-T-H-A-R-E. Um, I understand a lot of people don't really like MTG Salvation, so that's fine. Um, but fa- so Facebook, I can I can be reached pretty easily. Yeah, and also the Leave a Legacy group, you're on there as well. I, I am on there, so if, if anyone wants to flag me there, I I respond pretty quickly. Nice, Jerry. What about you, buddy? Where can they reach you? You can find me, Pat, at Jme3rd <laughs> on Twitter. <laughs> and uh, you're still running for hipsters. Still running for hipsters. Having uh, an article come out tomorrow, which is last week for the listeners <laughs> at home. <laughs> Uh, but I actually wrote about a Uh so oh, if nice. you want to hear my thoughts on the deck, check that out. I get into the white build with a uh, Stoneforge Mystic package. Ooh. I might I might comment a lot on that. Yeah, Hipsters <laughs> Lacoste actually took comments out. They want everyone to interact via Twitter. Oh, really? Yeah, there's no more comment section on the Hipsters of the Coast uh, website. Well, get in your Twitter, what Sean. If, what, if, what if my Twitter is protected? <laughs> Nothing can protect your Twitter from me, Sean. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, you guys can find me on Twitter at Pat Uglo. You can leave a like see on Facebook. Uh, you can join the group. Uh, find Adrian at Math with Trickster on Twitter as well. And uh, if you guys have commons for the commons drive, we're still taking those in. Send them to uh, the address in the show notes. I am pulling up the list. Jerry, do you have – can you p- please scoop out – one of your D20 and that fine Spanish <laughs> bull's nutsack you have there? Spanish bull's nutsack. It even has some tassels on it, too. <laughs> are, they're, not, they're not pubic hair, are they? <laughs> <laughs> They'd be pretty impressive if they were. <laughs> what number are you hoping for, Pat? Uh, looking at this, number one. <laughs> Wait, what's number one? Uh, the Trooper by Iron Maiden. Oh, that's a good one. Yeah. But we're going to get number 17. 16, 17. Sir Mix-A-Lot Seattle ain't bullshit. <laughs> Thanks, Quinn Stevenson, for that one. <laughs> I think Adrian would actually approve of that one. <laughs> this is the worst. I'm deleting this thread on the Facebook page. And I'm, and Don't I'm, do it, Pat. I'm going to ban Braden for making it. <laughs> I'm scooping in Brayden. Brayden, you gotta scoop in. You t- don't let these haters hate. Don't let them hate. Sir Mix a lot. Are you kidding me? Why is that with the sweet Sir Mix a lot? This is the worst night ever. <laughs> Let's go.